Welcome to Life Source Church. We are so glad you found us. We hope that you will experience God with us as you hear the preaching of the Word. We started a few weeks ago talking about this year, 2015, and making a decision to let God rock your world. And, and you know, we think, what do we mean by that when we talk about letting God rock our world? Well, in the book of Acts, there's a, a, a place where uh, the people are talking about Christians. And they're talking about it in their town. And the fact that, that all of a sudden these Christians have shown up in their town. Because this is what they were doing, right? They were going from place to place to place and sharing the gospel. And they described it like this. They, they said, those people who have turned the world upside down have come here now. Because everywhere the Christians went, there were either riots or revivals. And the reason for that is because they were living a different way. They weren't living like the world around them. What was important to the world around them wasn't what was important to them. How the world did things wasn't the way they did things. And we go on and on down the list. Open your Bible, right, and start working through and look at how is this different than the world around them. And so it is when we talk about a living in a way that our world gets rocked, that's what we're talking about, living in a way that, that our world gets turned upside down. It isn't just business as usual. It's not just status quo. And we talked about things that will, will bring this about in our lives. Uh, we, we talked that first week about um, putting Jesus first. Do you remember? Putting Jesus first. That means that he calls the shots in our lives, not us. We give up the right to him to make our own decisions. Now, ultimately, we, we do decide, but we need to decide what he wants us to do. So uh, we, we give up living in our comfort zone. Anybody have a nice comfort zone? I do. And when I put Jesus first, he keeps pushing me out of it. Right? We put Jesus first. We, we, we do things that we never would have done because we put Jesus first. We stopped doing things. We probably would have never stopped if we had not put Jesus first. He changes our lives in so many ways. And, and I can't help but think of this idea of putting Jesus first. It's like when David in the Old Testament came, before he was famous or anything, he came to the, the camp of the armies of the Lord. And the giant uh, Goliath comes out and, and curses God and, and defies the armies of God. And just everybody's running scared of this guy. Nobody wants to face him. But David says, wait a minute. This is God we're talking about here. I belong to God. And so he starts talking about this and, and the people around him and his brother starts giving him a bad time. Wait, what are you talking about? So, and he says this. He says, is there not a cause? Isn't there a God that we serve? Isn't he worth going out to battle for and putting your life at risk for? Jesus is worth putting first. And we need to be willing to step into whatever that means. And when you do that, God will rock your world. He'll turn your world upside down. He'll change things on you. And then uh, the second week, we talked about learning to live by faith. Now, this learning to live by faith is where you really get stretched because it's where you start doing things that you never would have done before because you can't see how it's going to work out. Now, I don't know about you. I, I think I talked about this, but I like to see how things are going to work out before I start down a road. 
But with God, God sometimes in his word says, okay, here's what you need to do. But God, I can't see where this is going. How is this going to work? That is, I didn't tell you to worry about that. I told you to trust me and go down this road. And so we make decisions that the world around us would never understand. We make decisions with our money. We make decisions with our relationships. We make decisions about our careers, where we live. We, all of these things, trusting God as we learn to live by faith. And when you do that, it turns your world upside down. Again, because you don't just stay where you were. You, just, you don't just do anymore what you did. You live by faith. And I can't help but think of Abraham in the Old Testament when God told him to take his son, his only son Isaac, who was the the fulfillment of God's promises to him, to take his son out and sacrifice him. Do you remember the story? If you don't, it's just God told him to do this. And Abraham, we don't don't have any record of of Abraham uh, talking to God about this or whatever. Just God told him to do it, and so he set out to do it. And he set out to do it to the very point when he, he got to the end and he put his son there, Isaac, on the altar and he raised the knife. I mean, are we talking faith? And of course, God stops him. and provides a substitute sacrifice. And we know that Abraham had this faith because early on his son says, uh, Father, we have the wood and we have the fire. And we're going to have the sacrifice. Where's the lamb? Not knowing he was the one that Abraham was going to sacrifice. And Abraham told his son, God will provide himself a lamb. And the book of Hebrews tells us that Abraham was so confident in God that even if God let him kill Isaac, he believed God would raise him from the dead because of what God had promised. That'll rock your world. Raising that knife will rock your world. And God may call you to raise your knife about something that's really important to you. And then last week, Uh, we saw that uh, it's about answering the call to share your faith. Answering the call to try to reach the world with the gospel. And when you do this, you start interacting with people a different way. It can no longer be just comfortable business as as usual. You have to figure out, how do I share my faith with this person? How do I live my faith out in front of this person? So you end up talking with people in a different way. And, and because of this, sometimes you end up with relationships that get strained. You may even end up with relationships that, that are broken because of it and people who oppose you because you're sharing your faith. You may um, <clears throat> struggle with finding yourself in places where you are out there not knowing what to say next. You know, you're in a difficult place and you know you want to be faithful to God to show you. And here you are out here. But, but God also will bring you to some people. When you genuinely open up your heart and say, God, I want you to use me to reach people for Christ. I want to answer this call. God will also bring you to people who will become open, who will come to Christ and trust Christ. And both of those things, the hardship that comes with trying to, to be a faithful witness, and then the blessings that come when some people respond and the changes in their life, that's going to turn your world upside down. And, and when we're talking about answering the call, we, realize, we start realizing, you know what? I have to pattern my whole life differently to do this. I can't just go about my business. I have to make my decisions in light of, I have a mission from God. And every decision then gets made to line up with that mission. And so that changes your world, turns your world upside down. 
I can't help but think of <clears throat> uh, the, those early Christians in Jerusalem there when they had been sharing their faith and witnessing and they grabbed their leaders, the apostles, and they threw them in jail and they brought them out and, and they had beaten them and they said, you cannot speak in the name of Jesus anymore. You have to stop it. And they said, we cannot do anything but speak of Jesus. We have to do this. And that's where we need to come. And so when all of these things are reality in our lives, it begins to stir things up. It stirs our hearts, our minds. It stirs up our relationships. It, life gets kind of stormy sometimes as we follow Christ. And that's how it turns our world upside down. And so we ended up with the, the, the question last week. And it goes something like this, right? So, okay, well, I hear what you're saying. I'm pretty comfortable with my life right now. You know, I've got some really good goals. I've got some career goals. I've got some financial goals. I've got goals with my family, uh, some personal goals, and I'm working on those things, and it's working. I'm making progress. I'm starting to experience the good life. Things are getting good. So why would I want to have God turn that all upside down? Why would I want to have God as you say, rock my world and change it all on me. Why would I want that? I understand that question. There are times when I sit and say, do I really want to do this? And so you know the answer always ends up when any time I give it any serious thought is always yes. But nonetheless, I understand that. Uh, I find myself sometimes I found myself just recently in a situation where I had knew I was going to be with a group of people that uh, mostly did not know the Lord, and I needed to be open and speak truth to these folks in love, and uh, I found myself with them, and I asked God, what do I say? And I felt I had some you know, good, clear leadership on that, and I, I, then I was with them for a while, and I hung around with them for a while, and I listened to them for a while, and I watched them for a while, and all of a sudden I thought, I don't want to do this. It has the potential to really, you know, mess some things up here. But I thought, no, wait a minute, no. I have to do this. I have to do what God says to do in this situation. And so let me share with you, there's, there's two major things, that, reasons why you should want God to rock your world. Two major reasons. And the first one uh, comes across in somewhat of a negative way, and it is negative. If you choose not to let God rock your world, you say, I'm not going there, I'm not, I'm not going to do those things, I'm not going to cooperate with that. If you, if you do that, you will waste your entire life and you will regret it forever. Because the choices we make in this life ripple out into eternity. They echo into eternity. And it affects what we experience in eternity. And if you say, I'm not going to let God rock my world like that. I'm just not going there. I'm too comfortable where I am. I'm too fearful, whatever. Then know that you will waste your life. And you will regret it forever. You see, for a Christian who decides that I'm not going to do that. I'm not going you know, to focus in on this put Jesus first stuff. Or I'll only do it where it's comfortable. <laughs> that's an oxymoron. 
put Jesus first where it's comfortable. So I'm not going to do that. You really only have two options, okay? And they're both really lousy options. And the first option we find here in, in the first, 2 Timothy chapter 4. So turn to 2 Timothy chapter 4 with me. It's page 1368 in the Bible that's in the pew there. If you don't have your own Bible, we encourage you to take that one and follow along. Page 1368. So here's the Apostle Paul. He's, this, is, this is written, you know, it's the last letter that he wrote is, that we have in the Word of God. And he's facing death uh, for having been faithful to Christ. Uh, let's start in verse 6 of chapter 4. He says, For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord the righteous judge will give to me on that day. And not to me only, but also to all who have loved his appearing. So Paul's saying, hey, I'm going somewhere with God and, and, and this life will have been worth it. Contrast that now with what we see next. He says to Timothy, be diligent to come to me quickly. And then he says this, for Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present world. Demas, who was a companion with him in ministry, has now turned away and walked away from God, really, because he loved this world. He loved that a different kind of love, the comfortable life, the good life. He didn't want the, the struggles that come with walking with Christ, but he has forsaken me having loved this present world. So the first option is this. It's just to abandon your faith. Because Jesus has called you to these things. He's called you to put him first. He has called you to learn to live by faith. He has called you to share your faith with the world. That's what it means to be a Christian. If you want to pull any of those out, then you've got a distorted view of what it means to be a Christian. And so if you're not going to do that, one of your options is just to abandon Christianity then. Abandon the faith. Walk away. Say, not going there anymore. Not doing it anymore. Well, something to think about. When a person gets saved, when a person receives Christ as Savior, the Bible says that we're born again. And that creates such a change in us that if we're genuinely saved, we cannot just abandon the faith and walk away and not be troubled by it every day. In fact, if you can walk away, if you can abandon faith, say, you know what, I've heard this, I'm done with this, I'm out of here, and just go live your own way and never look back, I would say you were never saved. Because you won't be able to do that if the Holy Spirit's at work in your life. He's going to stir you and, and, and be after you. So either way, it's not a good situation, because if you never trusted Christ as Savior, that means you're on your way to hell. That's not where you want to go. And remember, that's why Jesus died for our sins, right? On the cross, he died for our sins and paid the penalty for our sins, rose again from the dead so we could be forgiven and be saved. But what goes with that is that change of heart that then he calls us to live a different kind of life. And if you are genuinely saved and you try to abandon your faith and walk away from it, you will be troubled, 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 troubled. The very life you think you're abandoning it for, you're not going to get. That's the first option. The second option we find over in the book of Revelation. (laughs) 
Revelation chapter 3, and that's page 1409. And in chapters 2 and 3, the Apostle John is writing to churches. And these churches show different characteristics of their approach to their relationship with God and how they lived it out. And we want to look at the last church, the seventh church, which is not a good example of what a church ought to be. But let's read here, verse 14. And to the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, These things says the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. Here's what he says. I know your works, that you are neither cold nor hot. I could wish you were cold or hot. So, I mean, hot water is good, isn't it? You can do lots of awesome things with hot water. How about cold water? Cold water is refreshing, Right? I mean, I get up in the middle of the night, and, and, and when I get a drink, I'm half awake, but I know to let the water run long enough to where it's cold before I drink it. And that's what we like, right? We get that, hot or cold. But he says you're neither. Verse 16, God talking to the church, talking to the Christians in the church there, he says, so then, because you are lukewarm, and neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. That's pretty graphic, isn't it? God says, not, you're not going to do this in my name. You can say what you want, but you're not doing it in my name. You're not doing it with me. Not going not to be a part of that. Verse 17, so what is it that, that would cause us to become lukewarm? Verse 17, he says, because you say, I am rich, have become wealthy and have need of nothing. Doesn't that describe the kind of life we were just talking about that we're comfortable with, right? It's the good life. We're doing okay. Don't, you know, mess, don't make the waters rough here. Just take it easy. Things are good right now. Because you're saying that things are good. And then he says this, and do not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. You don't know that you're missing it. You don't know that you have bigger problems than you think you do. You don't think you have any problems, you got problems. See, this is the second option. The second option is you can try to become a lukewarm Christian. Lukewarm in the sense that you say, hey, I come to church. You know, I like the music and I'm friendly with people, but then I go live my life however I want. Lukewarm. What's God say? You're lukewarm, you got problems, and you don't even see it. But I'm not going to have anything to do with it, God says. How's that going to work out for you? You know, if you decide to be a lukewarm Christian, that's, it's not going to, it's not going to work really in this life. And it's definitely not going to work for you when you stand before the judgment seat of Christ. In fact, if you try to live a lukewarm Christian life and then when that day when you stand before the judgment seat of Christ, I think it's almost going to be a little bit like a little bit of hell. Okay? Let's look at some scripture and see this. So in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, go on to the next one there. He says this, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. 
Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. We persuade men to be ready for this judgment. So who stands in this judgment? The unsaved? This is not a judgment of the unsaved. This is a judgment of the saved. The unsaved will stand in the great white throne judgment and be shown that they never came to Christ and never had life. This is for the saved. And I want you to see what he says here. The judgment seat of Christ. There's a reason to be afraid. To stand before the judgment seat of Christ, having lived your life knowingly as a lukewarm Christian, that will be a terrifying thing. Well, won't I go to heaven? If you're saved, you're going to heaven. But I still tell you, I think there's, when you stand before God and you see who he really is and what he really did for you and what he really called you to do and all, you're gonna, it's going to be a day of regret for sure. And, and then in 1 Corinthians, he elaborates a little bit on what we experience here. He says, if anyone's work is burned, in other words, when we do this evaluation of your life and you were lukewarm and so everything that you did is burned up, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved, yet so as through fire. And I'm not quite sure what that means. But it doesn't sound like a pleasant thing to me. And so if we try to be lukewarm Christians, the judgment seat of Christ is going to be a terrible thing. And yes, you'll be saved. But that very attitude, if you go before the judgment seat of Christ having lived a life, say, well, I don't really care, I'm going to be saved. Nothing will matter more to you at that point in time than wishing you had lived differently. And don't think it'll slip by on you. Turn to Luke chapter 12. You know, sometimes we, we think, and, and sometimes I think that if I don't think about something, then it's not a problem. Anybody else like that? If I just don't think about it, then it's not a problem right now. My wife is amazing how much she bursts that bubble. Luke chapter 12. If you think, ah, I'll, I'll get to this, you know, I, okay, I'll get to it. But right now I'm just going to go with where I'm at. Luke chapter 12 and uh, it's page 1199. And let's start in verse number 16. Then he, talking about Jesus, spoke a parable to them saying, the ground of a certain rich man yielded plentifully. And he thought within himself saying, what shall I do since I have no room to store my crops? So he said, I will do this. I will pull down my barns and build greater. And there I will store all my crops and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have many goods laid up for many years. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. That's what we're talking about, right? That's the life we're choosing instead of following Christ. Verse 20, but God said to him, fool. This night your soul will be required of you. Then who will those things be which you have provided? I mean, you may think you're going to slide and oh, I'll get to this eventually. I'll do something. You need to do it today. You need to decide to let God rock your world today. You don't have any guarantee. You have anything past today, do you? Anybody got a guarantee you'll make it home safely today? You don't have a guarantee. We never know. So we need to live today. 
Letting God rock our world in these things. And then he says, so is he who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. You choose to let God rock your world, you will become rich toward God. If you say, no, not going there, you will not be rich toward God. And so that's the negative side of this. It doesn't have to be that way, though. You can say, I do want God to rock my world. I want to live my life the way we've been talking about so that he can rock the world. And here's the good news. If you let God rock your world by living these ways, your life will become everything it was meant to be. And you will be thrilled and grateful for all eternity. That's good news, isn't it? Your life will become everything it was meant to be. You were designed for something. And so three, three ideas here. That, uh, we can go to that next slide if we could there, John. Oh, I forgot to ask that question. This is where you'll be. This is where you'll be. Because three, three ideas here. If you choose to let God rock your world, uh, you are going to discover that you have a very purposeful, meaningful life. A very purposeful, meaningful life. And, and your life and what you do is no longer totally judged by what happens in the world around you. It's judged by what's going on in your heart and whether or not you're walking with the Lord and doing the things that he wants you to do. And as you do that, whether other people respond or like it or not, whether anybody else ever knows it or not, what you do is, is mattering. It matters. Uh, the Apostle Paul tries to encourage people in their service for the Lord about this in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 58. He says, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. For what? Knowing that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Your life won't be wasted. It'll be meaningful. It'll be purposeful. The second thing you're going to discover is that when you say, let God rock your world, yeah, I may get rocked around here and you don't know what to do, but you are going to experience a satisfying, a satisfying, fulfilling life. It's going to be fulfilling. Well, I mean, let me just say that Jesus promised this, right? He said, I've come that they may have life and that more abundantly. Abundant life, a fulfilling, satisfying life. In other words, you're going to walk with the Lord and it's going to be good. The things that used to be so important to you are going to begin to fade and your relationship with him is going to grow and it's going to fulfill you and it's going to be satisfying. And here's the thing. As you live this way, you're going to, it's going to be less that I know about God and it's going to be more I know God. You can come to church for a long time and know a lot about God and not really know God. But when you choose to live in a way with him that rocks your world, less and less you're going to know about God, not less info, but it's going to be more a fact that you know God. Now let me show you something. Turn in your Bible to Psalm chapter 50. I'm going to show you something here. It's page 651. Let's start in verse 1. He says,
says, the mighty one, God the Lord, has spoken and called the earth from the rising of the sun to its going down. Out of Zion, the perfection of beauty, God will shine forth. So God's coming, right? He's coming to do his thing. Verse three, our God shall come and shall not keep silent. A fire shall devour before him and it shall be very tempestuous all around him. Tempestuous, what a cool word, huh? It comes from the idea of a tempest in the, you know, out in the ocean, see a tempest, a storm. It's gonna be stormy, it's gonna be uh, ups and downs and upheaval and, and these two things, a fire before him and all this upheaval around him. So if you're close to God, what are you gonna be experiencing? Right? If you're close to where there's a lot of this going on, where are you going to experience? A lot of this. Say, wait a minute, Walt, that's why I'm telling you I don't want to do this. But what I want you to see is when your world gets turned upside down because you're living as a Christian has been called to live, and your world gets turned upside down, your world is getting rocked, that very rocking means that you are closer to God that you are right in the area where he is and what he's doing. So what you used to think is a bad thing and try to avoid all time becomes a good thing because God is doing something. I guarantee you that if you walk with the Lord, you know, you say, I'm putting Jesus first, learn to live by faith, I'm trying to be a faithful witness, you're doing and all of a sudden, your world blows up. You can say, hey, God's here. God's here, he's at work. Because it's very tempestuous around him when he's doing what he does. And then finally, if you say yes to this and yes to God in this, you will have an exciting, hope-filled life. Exciting, hope-filled life. Because you're going to experience the reality of God. You're going to be involved in things that make an eternal difference. And and go to that next scripture, if you would, there, John. Uh, It says, this is out of Hebrews, looking unto Jesus, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. And and so, yes, sometimes there are hard things. There is the tempest. There's the difficulties. uh, All of that stuff. But we have Jesus as an example. And what he says, yes, I'm enduring this because I see that. I see what's coming. Yeah, God... Rock my world. Turn my world upside down. It's because you're taking me somewhere. You've got someplace worth going. It will be worth it. It absolutely will be worth it. So those are your choices today, really, when it comes to letting God rock your world. You can either say, no, I don't think so, and waste your life and regret it forever. Or... You can say, no, God, that's what I want. I'm saying yes to you in this today, and then uh, your life will become everything it was meant to be. And you will be thrilled and grateful for all eternity because of it. All I gotta do is say yes to God. That's what I want, God. And really, this isn't anything new to you. You hear this all the time. What are the three things we do here at Life Source Church? What are the three? We surrender, grow, and tell, right? Surrender to the Lord, grow to be like the Lord, tell others about the Lord. Okay. 
Well, the first one is we surrender. And how do you surrender? Put Jesus first. And then we talk about growing. And one of the crucial areas we need to grow in is our faith. We need to learn to live by faith. And then telling others, you need to answer the call to share your faith. And if you'll take this seriously, God will rock your world. And you will be forever grateful that he did. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Would you speak to us? Thank you that you were willing to send your son into this world and have his world, however that works, Lord, his world rocked and that we might be saved forever and changed and be a part of what you're doing. I pray, Father, that we would open our hearts to you. We would say yes to you, not just in these three things, but definitely in these three things, putting Jesus first, learning to live by faith in you, and then sharing with others what you've done and what you want to do in their lives. Be glorified in us, Father, individually and as a church, as we follow you in these ways. We don't want any more business as usual. We don't want to be lukewarm. And we're not going to abandon our faith. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.